So Lord, let that be the cry of our hearts. That we would long for your presence, that we would long for you. Seeking your face. Desiring you more than we desire other things that are in this world. So Lord, we ask that you would give us a hunger for you. That we would long for your presence, that we would wait on you, that we would seek your face and rest in who you are. Lord, would you awaken us? There are so many things that distract us from desiring you. There are so many things that call on us. But Lord, we want to call on you. So change our hearts. Change the foundations of our happiness to be from the things of this world to to you. Give us desires that we don't possess. Give us a hunger for you that we don't yet possess. Change us not only as an individual, Lord, but change us as a people. As a church that would long and seek and pursue you with all of our hearts, mind, strength, and soul. Make yourself real, O oh God. Help us to see you clearly. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Please have a seat. So grateful that you're here. You know, there's nothing that takes the place of presence. Isn't it true? When you go to the doctors, when you go to the hospital, and you're there for a few days, or maybe, God forbid, a few weeks, there's something about people showing up that's just meaningful. In the difficulties of life, in the moments of life where things are really hard, where your heart is broken, where the nights are long, where the tears don't stop, in moments like this, you can't fax it in. Not a friendship. Not an intimate friendship relationship. No, 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 no. The only thing that will do in moments like that is your presence. You've seen this when um, uh, maybe a friend of yours, or perhaps you, uh, have been in the hospital for a, a period of time, and then uh, nobody shows up, and you go, and you get out of the hospital, and you say, well, why didn't you come visit me? And they say something like, well, I, I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I know it was a grave situation. I didn't know what to do. Inevitably, the response is, but just being there is meaningful. We've all had moments in our lives where we've had people that we loved who were just there, didn't have the genius answer, didn't have the solution to our problem, didn't have the circumstances figured out, but they were there for us and it made all the difference in the world. Presence is powerful like that. Uh, in uh, A few years ago, um, we had a, a terrible storm here in the East Coast. Uh, Hurricane Sandy, they called it. And uh, it took our car, it took uh, our home, it took you know, our clothes, it just kind of took everything. 
And as we were, you know, trying to salvage, you know, moving everything out of there and trying to salvage and moving uh, out of that place, there was a dear friend who had helped us move and, you know, and there were other people who were there as well who helped us move. But it was a key moment. You know, like when, you're, when things become real, have any, has anything like been real to you but and then it becomes real, real? Yeah, like, oh, wow, this is real. Well, it was towards the end of the night. It must have been around midnight. And it was just dawning. Oh, man, we lost our house. We lost our car. We lost our stuff. We lost a lot of things, man. And it was sort of becoming real, and it was exhausting. We were all tired. And my dear friend just came up and gave me a hug. Now, I tell you, I really appreciate the fact that he moved, like, you know, stuff and, and all that other stuff, but there was something about the hug. There was something about being present that made that moment, as difficult as it was, made it easier to bear. We're in a brand new series, and the brand new series is called The Ghost. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. In the King James Version, any, any King James Version people in the house, what, what? All right, there's like two of you, okay, all right, all right. Um, all right, so in the King James Version, they called him the Holy Ghost. But in your newer translations, it calls the third person of the Trinity the Holy Spirit. It is God. It is He is. Never say that again. He is God. And His purpose is to reside in the hearts of God's people. The Holy Spirit doesn't fax it in. The Holy Spirit sees that what we need more than anything else is not some good, pithy little statement to recite, not some simple phrase to be able to rehearse, not some direction sometimes or anything like that. Sometimes we need to just, the Holy Spirit recognizes that this is no time for boys, so he won't send angels. He'll be here himself. That God comes in power, in the Holy Spirit, to reside in our hearts, to give strength to those who are weak and feeble, who are tired and can no longer go any further. For those, the Holy Spirit comes who belong to Christ. He comes as one who encourages those who are under the great weight of temptation and feel like in just a minute this is all going to get blown up. For those who are going through a difficult time in their marriage, the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I will be your comforter. I'll be a companion that stays closer to you than anyone could possibly do. To the sick, the Holy Spirit comes in as a flood of reassurance saying, this body, while it may not last, my love for you will and let me just give you the end of the movie. The Holy Spirit promises that we get a new body where we get new strength and we get new ability where this broken down body doesn't, is not what's going to come with us to eternity. We get something new. To those who are in the depths of despair and you feel the darkness totally overcome you, completely overwhelm you, the Holy Spirit is like a light like a northern star guiding a sailor through the dark night of the soul. 
more than anything else in our lives, we don't need the next thing that will make us feel good. We don't need the next uh, purchase. What we need is the presence of God assuring us that he's with us and that he's for us in every moment of life. Now the beauty about this is that it's God's desire that he would be with us. It's God's desire that he would be in us. It's God's desire that he would guide and lead us, encourage and strengthen. It's God's desire to come alongside and to lift us up, to guide and direct, to draw us to himself, to tell us about Jesus and grow our affections, changing our heart's desires from the things of this world to the things in heaven above. It's God's desire to be with us closer than we could ever imagine. You know that God wants to be closer to you than your shirt. It's God's desire. And so we see God pursuing us. Not only if you look back in the rear view, haven't you ever done that? You look back in the rear view mirror of your life and you look back and you go, oh my goodness, you were trying to get my attention all this time. All the time. Am I the only one who's done this? Where, where you go, you look back and it's like, oh my goodness, that crazy lady on the corner handing out flyers. That was you trying to get my attention. That, that aunt who couldn't stop talking about you, who annoyed me, who I try to avoid at family gatherings, that was you trying to get my attention. That ache that you put in my heart to long for you, but then when I kept on going to sin, you still kept pursuing. That was you, wasn't it? See, the Holy Spirit longs to pursue us and longs to be present in us. Those who belong to Christ. And this has been true not only throughout our own lives, but this is true throughout the history of the world since day one. In the beginning, you'll remember, God created the heavens and the earth. He looked at it and said all of it was good. In Genesis 1 and 2, we discover that God is walking with people in the cool of the day, loving them, having time with them experiencing life with them in an intimate way that only you and I can imagine. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see God being with his people and their unity to be perfect. Then in in Genesis 3, something happened. It all broke down. In Genesis 3, what we discover is that Man wanted nothing to do with God. Man thought that they had a better idea of what life of joy would be like. And so man picked his temptation over his Savior. And so Adam and Eve, representing humanity, took of the forbidden fruit the one rule. You go, the one. You had one job. You had one job. All you had to do is just avoid this one tree. And yet they took of it. And the interesting thing is is that you would have done no different. Neither would I. You know what my proof is? You and me. Because when we are tempted between pursuing God or trusting in some earthly thing to give us pleasure, many, many, many times we've discovered within our own souls we pursue the sin, rather than the Savior. 
The thing that they lost most in that moment was not just this perfect land and perfect everything. It was God's presence. It wouldn't be the same. In uh, past Genesis 3, God continued to pursue his people. And we see that even while they were in slavery, God was pursuing them, getting them out from slavery, and then wanting to let them know that he's going to be present with them. So he asked Moses to put up a tabernacle in the very middle of the people. So there would be three tribes to the north, three tribes to the south, three tribes to the east, three tribes to the west. Because God wanted them to know that at the middle, the center, the very core of your community, I want you to know that that's where I am. That nobody would have to walk any further than anybody else because God would meet people in the center of their community. He told uh, Moses in Numbers uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, The Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting, some distance from it, each of them under their standard holding their banners to their families, that God would be at the center of the community and God would symbolically dwell. This is my people and I'm going to be the center of your culture, the center of your life, the center of your community, the center of your fellowship. And then as the time went on, God uh, had Solomon. He put the heart in David to do so, but he executed it through Solomon that he would have a a temple built for him. It was ornate, and God showed in a big way. In 1 Kings 8, 10 through 11, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their services because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. God wanted to be present with his people. Here's what I want you to know. Let me tell you the end before the end. Today, what we want to know is that God's presence is the gift he presents. That when you think you just need that new car or the upgrade on your phone or the new wardrobe, when you think that you need just to get a little bit more healthy or perhaps to attract that certain someone, when you think that you need Something other than God. God says, I have a gift for you. You go, oh my goodness, what is it? Is it the girl? Is it the car? Is it the house? Is it the bigger bank account? Is it the better health? Is it the more children? What is it? What is the gift? God says, my presence is the gift that I'm presenting. Over and over he did this. But again, God's people turned from God, wanted nothing to do with him. And we find in Ezekiel chapter 10, Ezekiel has a vision of the glory of the Lord departing. You know what happened? Over and over, God pursued for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. God pursued. God loved. God tried to woo them to himself. And they kept on running away from God. And they kept on running away from God. And they kept on running away from God. And in the end, you must know, there are two types of people. People who said, to say to God, God, have your way. And then there are people for whom God says, have your way. 
when you run from God and run from God and run from God, God goes, okay, I'll be here when you get back. Ezekiel sees the vision of the glory of God departing, which is a terrible vision when he reported it to his people because what they wanted and what they needed most was God's presence. It wasn't there. Then, then there's this interesting spot in your Bible. If you have your written Bibles and you go to the last page of the Old Testament just before the first page of the New Testament, does anybody know what's there? It's a blank piece of paper. It's one sheet of paper. It represents over 400 years of God's silence. 400 years where God does not direct. 400 years where God is not leading. 400 years where God says, have it your way. 400 years of silence. But and then God breaks his silence. And we see in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, we see Matthew quoting Isaiah, reminding us that now Jesus would be God with us. And here's the verse that he picks from Isaiah. It's in Matthew, found in Matthew verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 23, where, where he quotes Isaiah and saying, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, I love this, you ready? Emmanuel. Anybody know what Emmanuel means? God with us. Because when God has been silent for 400 years, they don't need a God by the name of gold, or they don't need a God by the name of silver. They don't need a God, a God by the name of bigger car, fancier house. They don't need a God by the name of any of those things. What they need is God with us. And so when Jesus came, he wanted everyone to know it would be God with us. Over and over and over, God has longed to be present with his people. It's the gift he presents his people. And over and over, his people might have turned from him, but he never desired less than being with them. Today, we're going to look at the scriptures and see how God is present for you today. And I know that many people have said, you know, I wish I, would, I lived in the, like, the first century when Jesus uh, was around, physically walking on the earth. Because if I, was around in the, if I was around in the first century, then I would, I think, really get this Christian thing better. And Jesus is about to tell us, I got something better for you. I'm not going to be with you. What's going to happen is, I'm going to be in you in the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit will come, reside in us, changing our hearts, giving us new affections, changing our desires, and changing where we rest. Changing us from the inside and out. Giving us exactly everything that we need, just when we need it, just by Him being present. We find it in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. Now, uh, one of our traditions in this church is to stand during the reading of God's Word. So would you stand with me at the reading of God's Word? John chapter 14. Those of you who can, of course, if you can't, I understand. Stay seated. John chapter 14, 
verses 15 through 21. I want us to read this together. Will you read it with me? All right, nice loud voice. Here we go. Count of three. One, two, three. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. This is God's Word. And people say, Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Notice at the first, at the first part of this passage and at the end of the passage. In verse 15 and in verse 21, Jesus tells them the very same thing. If you love me, keep my commands, verse 15. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Do you see that? Okay. This is really, really important. Super important. The Holy Spirit lives in, his, in the lives of the people of God. Those who invite God into their lives are those who have the privilege of walking in the power and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you find yourself outside the family of God, perhaps you once uh, felt on fire for Jesus, but now that flame had been doused out. Perhaps you went to church for a period of time and then you grew older and you said, you know what, there are better things in this world and you went away. Perhaps you've never known Christ and this is your first time in a service or first time hearing a Christian message and you're saying to yourself, yeah, this is all new to me. Listen, 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 listen. The Holy Spirit says, I'll come if you ask me to. If you invite me in, I'll, I'll be happy to show up. So it, the Holy Spirit is reserved for God's people. Those who have come to God and say, God, no excuses, I'm a sinner. And not just saying I'm a sinner, but just going, oh yeah, you remember that time, Saturday night, 3 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Stuff that you feel ashamed about, stuff that you wouldn't talk in, in, in uh, polite company, stuff that you keep closed up. You confess that to God. Then you believe that Jesus Christ, that although you and I deserve a penalty for the sin, because remember, we've committed treason against God, and that's, that is a punishable offense. We believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And then, thirdly, we say, my life is yours, Jesus. Lead me. You be the boss of my life. You be the director of my movie. You be the leader of my soul. It's confession, believing, and following. 
So if you find yourself far away from God, you don't even have to wait till I'm done speaking. You can say, Jesus, here's the truth about me. I've sinned against you. I've wanted things other than you for my pleasure and satisfaction. I've looked to things other than you for my identity and my wholeness. In other words, I've gone and served other gods. And I believe that you paid the penalty for my sin on the cross, and I want to give my life to you. Guide me, lead me, direct me. If that's you today, you can do that before I'm done speaking. But for those of you who are believers in Christ, walking in the faith that has been given to you by Jesus, Jesus says, you love me? Do what I'm telling you to do. Now, here's the problem in the church. The problem in the church is, we say, do what he tells you to do, then maybe he'll love you. That's not what this passage is saying. This passage is saying, it's, in other words, it's a self-examination. We go, but I love God. Ha, ta, 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 ta. <laughs> Only? You can only say, we're not talking about God's love for you. We're talking about your love for him. You love me? My goodness. Obey my commands. They're for your good. Commands don't save you. But commands, they say something. They say something about your affection for Jesus. Will you trust yourself or will you trust Jesus? Jesus says that for those who love me, for those who I've invited into intimate relationship with me, for them, I'll send the Holy Spirit. Here's how he says it in verse 16. And I will ask my Father, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That is a great word. Now, it has two connotations. Sometimes you hear it um, translated helper, and that's a very good translation because the Holy Spirit is our helper. He strengthens us. He gives us wisdom. He directs us. He guides us. He's, the Holy Spirit is absolutely our helper. He encourages us when we're downcast. The Holy Spirit is our helper. But another way is, another word that is used is counselor. Now, the kind of counselor that the Holy Spirit is, is not just, in the, especially here in this text, when it says advocate, it's like helper, counselor, advocate. It's the, they're all good words um, to use. But here, the counselor is not so much like sitting in a chair while you lay down on a little like bed-looking chair while he takes notes and goes, tell me more about that. And then, you know, so there's that kind of counseling, but that's not the kind of counselor that Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about the kind of counselor that comes up next to you in high school and says, you know, I think I see this in you. You should try this college and that college. That's not the kind of counselor he's talking about in that text either, even though the Holy Spirit does guide like that. But in this text, Jesus says he'll be your counselor. He'll be your lawyer. Because guilt and shame will come against you because your sins of the past will be reminded to you again and again. It's why. It's what Satan's name is. That's his name. He's the accuser. And when you're getting accused, when you're in a court, that what you need more than anything else, more than a nice suit, more than a good outlook on life, what you need is a good lawyer. 
And Jesus says, I'll send you someone who will advocate for you. I'll send you someone who will plead your case. I'll send you someone who will be sure that at the end the verdict will be not guilty. And I will ask the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. You go, but I feel so alone. If you're in Christ, he'll be with you forever. He hasn't gone anywhere. He goes, but I feel weak. You know, the doctor, they gave me this new uh, medication and I feel like my whole body's breaking down. Yep, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm taking the medications with you. Oh, yeah, but you know, my, my, my spouse doesn't understand me. I feel completely all alone. My spouse doesn't understand me. Yeah, you know what? I'm closer to you than your spouse. I'll love you better than your spouse. I'll be with you. You go, but I'm single, and I've been single for such a long time. It's, will my time ever come to get finally married? And Jesus says, and, and the Holy Spirit says, I'll be like a spouse to you. I'll be closer than your seat. I'll be closer then your next heartbeat, I will be there for you. Because we all need the presence of God. Because God's presence is the gift he presents. In verse 17, he tells us who this spirit is. I've been telling you all along. It's the spirit of truth. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Ghost. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now this is going back to what I was saying before. That if you don't know Christ, you won't, you'll go, ah, holy what? Go, what? Is this like this mystical mumbo jumbo? This makes no sense to you because you have, it's, it's an experience. It's like me trying to explain to my son David love. He's two years old. He won't get it. Uh, well, let me see if I can explain to you romantic love. Um, is it like the way I love my dolls? All right, that's as close as we're going to get, right? Because, because it's beyond him. For those who don't know Christ, this is one of those aspects of Christian living that I'm glad that you're here for because now you can see, is this something that I really want in my life? You can make an intelligent decision about whether or not you want to be in Christ. Jesus is saying that the whole world, the whole world doesn't want anything to do with God. And that this whole world won't know the presence of the Holy Spirit, but those who love and know Christ will. I will come to, um, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Isn't that just unbelievable? We'll, know, we'll, we'll see God in a way, Jesus being in the Father, we'll see God in a way that we can't even possibly comprehend. But not only that, that God is also residing in us in the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Think about that for a second. The Holy Spirit, God himself, the most powerful being in the universe, is your deep, intimate friend and ally. 
What is it that you're going through? That he cannot strengthen you, encourage you, empower you through? What is it? What is it that has you down? What is it that is so big, God can't possibly do it? What is it? Because if God resides in you, then you have power beyond your imagination. You have strength beyond what you can know. If God resides in you, then it's no longer up to you. Then your strength is not where strength ends, but there's more strength to come. And there's one who it's up to who can definitely prevail. Now, I've tried to say the same thing over and over again, that the Holy Spirit in you is exactly what you need. Listen, if you struggle with depression, it's what you need to overcome your depression. The Holy Spirit guiding you and strengthening you and encouraging you. This is coming from a person not who's overcome depression, but who lives with depression. And, uh, and listen to me. The Holy Spirit strengthens me through my dark nights of the soul strengthens me through my dark nights of the soul like those dark theaters. You ever been in those dark theaters or maybe in a plane at night um, where the lights are real, real low and you could barely see anything and then there's a little light strip? That's what the Holy Spirit is like. Just guiding and leading, making sure that you don't stumble or fall. Oh, the Holy Spirit. Are you struggling in your marriage? The Holy Spirit can not only comfort but could give you love that doesn't belong to you belongs to him and can be bestowed and you could feel a sense of fulfillment within that marriage even though the, your spouse is not living up to everything that they promised on that wedding day. Or do you feel lonely in your singleness? The Holy Spirit can give you such a deep companionship that you would feel more fulfilled than you ever could in any earthly relationship. Are you broke? The Holy Spirit can make you content with nothing more so than he can make, more so than the person who has everything can be content without him. With the Holy Spirit, he who has, a, who has the whole world has nothing more than he who has nothing. Because the Holy Spirit is everything. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of the believer. So, how do we illustrate this? Okay, so I've been, you know, we've been rocking our brains on how to do that. And so, okay, so you know what it's like. It's like, all right, you and me, you know what we're like? We're like a balloon. Now, we have a lot of people who listen to our um, podcast kind of all over the world. Not kind of, really, all over the world. Um, and so, uh, I have a balloon in my hand. It's a yellow balloon. And, um, and so, you and I are like this balloon. You see, you and I go throughout life and we're just kind of full of hot air. <laughs> and so, you and I go through life and the problem is, is that there's no power. We can't get above the ground. The problem is, is that we're too easily satisfied with the next purchase. We're too easily satisfied with the next lover. We're too, God is offering us the most amazing gift, himself living in us, and you and I are too busy being easily satisfied by just another blouse. And so what happens is, is that you walk throughout life just like that. Your life 
is lived jumping from one pleasure to the other and just kind of looking for comfort and encouragement. And since you don't have any encouragement from God because you don't know Jesus, which, by the way, is not a bad idea to change right now. And so what happens is, is you live life never, ever overcoming the great obstacles of life. You, you know, you ignore certain things, you try to, but when you hit an obstacle, there's no power to get over it. And so you do the best you can, right? And so you're what? You're 40, you're 50 years old, you're a guy, and you think that the problem is the wife and the kids. You know, they're holding you down. It's called a midlife crisis. You buy a Corvette and you leave and you move to California or wherever you go. And, and that's what you do. And you, what you try to do is you try to get over this insurmountable thing. This thing, the midlife crisis is really a reflection of your mortality. And you go, you know what? I'll get my youth back. And you know what you wind up doing? You try to get through and eventually you blow the whole thing up. You destroy your family. You destroy your future. You destroy the things. Because you know why? Because you had no power to overcome. You had no power to get over the things that were daunting you. And you know why? Because you only relied on your own strength. You were full of hot air. And when pressure came, you exploded. But the Holy Spirit, no, 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 no. This is the believer. Now, what's interesting is that the believer looks just like the non-believer at first glance. But the believer is not full of hot air. The believer is not full of the psychology and the philosophy of this world. The believer doesn't believe what the world believes. The believer believes that there's something bigger than they are. There's someone more wonderful than they are and that he'll live in them and is for them and will live through them. Oh my. And so when the believer is filled when they come to Christ, they say, Jesus, Jesus, I'm a sinner. You be, I believe that you died on the cross. You be the boss of my life. My life is directed by you. What happens is, is that Jesus, who promised the Holy Spirit, fills them. Now, it looks exactly the same. The believer, the non-believer, it looks exactly the same. They're, they're, uh, walking around throughout life. They face the same struggles, right? Christians get sick. Don't Christians get sick? Yeah, of course. Christians and non-Christians get sick. Christians and non-Christians have trouble handing in their term papers for college, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah, right? Yeah, for some of y'all who are in college, right? Yeah. Christians and non-Christians struggle in their marriage. Isn't that true? Christians and non-Christians have kids that uh, run from God and and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them are right here. Yeah. Okay. But what happens is, is right, you go through the same problem. You go through the same problem. You're going throughout life, and you hit this obstacle, and, and you go, wait, wait. You try to figure it out on your own. You go, wait, 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 wait. I don't have to figure this out. Jesus, give me guidance. Give me strength. Whatever it is. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're, you know, the... the Anything that we just talked about. And, and so what happens is Jesus goes, okay, I'll help you to rise above it. I'll help you to get through it in a way that you never imagined. I'll give you the ability to get through it. Not to ignore it. Not to, no, 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 I'm going to get you through with it. But I'm going to give you a power that is not your own. 
And because, and so you might look on at first glance, you look, I'm telling you, at first glance, you look the same, but in the end, when the pressure comes, it's like, whoa, that dude fell apart. <laughs> and you go, and you go, I'm hurting, he's hurting. I'm crying, he's crying. My marriage is difficult, his marriage is difficult. My college courses are rough, his college courses are rough. My, my sickness is ravaging my body, his sickness is ravaging his body. But I'm telling you, you get a power that is not your own to be able to go through the kind of suffering and difficulty and homelessness and singleness and success and failure. You don't do those things the same when you're in Christ. You're filled with something other than hot air. You're filled with the Spirit Oh, God. Oh, man, I hope you're getting this, man. This is good stuff. Listen, Jesus, Jesus has come that you might be saved from an eternity without him. But he didn't just do that. Then he said, I'm going to fill you. I'm going to fill you. And you're going to soar far higher than you could have ever imagined. So what do we do with this information? This is incredible. The Holy Spirit is with us. You mean I don't have to be depressed alone? I don't have to go through illness alone, singleness alone, and all those other things that we mentioned? What do you mean? What what does this mean? Well, firstly, I would say keep coming back to the series. We're going to actually itemize what this means in your life, and we don't know how long the series is going to go, but I'm telling you, we're going to have a week on how the Holy Spirit helps us overcome those things that you fall into your whole life. You know that, what, I don't know what your thing is. What is it, right? Is it food? Is it shopping? Right? What, what, what's your thing? I don't know what your thing is, but the Holy Spirit will teach us how to overcome those things. Are, are you interested in overcoming those things? Holy Spirit will empower you for that. Um, you know, I feel lonely in my marriage. My husband's not going to change. He's not even a Christian. She's not a Christian, whatever it is. Um, you, you think that the Holy Spirit could help you through that? Absolutely. We're going to have a week on talking about how to deal with circumstances don't change. What about, what about when... Um, what about when you're discouraged and you feel like you can't go any further? We're going to talk to you about how the Holy Spirit empowers you, even in the dark nights of the soul. I'm telling you, this is a series you don't want to miss. This is a series you don't want to miss. You want to walk in the power and in the direction of the Spirit. So here's what I have you to do. So this week, this is all I want you to do. One, I want you to know that God, God's presence is the gift he presents. We're going to say that three times together, all right? Powerfully and, and confidently. We're going to say God's presence is the gift he presents. You ready? One, two, three. God's presence is the gift he presents. Say it again. God's presence is the gift he presents. Say it one more time. God's presence is the gift he presents. God's presence is the gift that he presents to your life to overcome. You see, you think going to God and saying, God, give me the girl, give me the guy, give me the job, give me the thing. God's going, no, 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 those things may or may not happen, but I'm not offering those. I'm offering you my presence. Are you too good for that? Is there something better on your agenda than that? Mm, I hope not. So here's what I want you to do for the next week and for the next series, what I want you to do, and I encourage you, of course, to pray all the time. Please, good night. Pray, right? I'm a pastor. This is a Christian church. Do I want you to pray? Of course I want you to pray. But now watch this. Sometime throughout the middle of the day, because, you know, something happens. I don't know. Is it just me? In the middle of, t- of the day, I don't know if it's the, 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 the work that I have to get done or the responsibilities that I have. It's like I have a built-in eraser in my mind, and I forget that God is with me. And, and I start to think 
oh man, I got to do this all myself. And so I get ramped up and I, I try harder. I do, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. Take a moment. Listen, if you have a watch, I want you to put an alarm on that watch somewhere in the middle of the day. Let that alarm go off and let that alarm be for you to get with God for two minutes just to sit in his presence. Not to ask him for stuff, not to make requests, not to, just to sit down and say, or get on your knees or go into the, 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 the janitor's closet or, or go into the stall in the, in the men's room, if you're a guy, um, <laughs> to, um, to just find a private place where you could sit for two minutes, two 60-second increments put together. Is this, am I speaking too much for you? Is, that, is this too hard for you? Is this like over your head? Do you think that this is impossible for you? Of course not. The Holy Spirit will help you do this. Two minutes in the middle of the day. When your alarm rings, I want you to go find yourself a quiet moment for two minutes to go, you're present, you're with me. What does that mean for me today? What does that mean for how I respond to the person who sent me the bad email? What does that mean for how I deal with the discouragement in my own soul? What does that mean for me, how I interact with them? my boss or my employees, what does that mean? Lord, remind me, you're with me. How, does that, how do I go through school as a person who's empowered and dwelt by the power of the Holy Ghost? Just a reminder that he's with, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. You go, no, I won't. Try me. One week, do it. Two minutes. Now, if you're under 25, you don't know what a watch is. So, <laughs> get your phone out and put an alarm on your phone and, and put it there and, and, and put the alarm there. And, and find, the person, find a person in this community, in this church, to do it with you. Hey, did you spend your two minutes with Jesus? Just two minutes. It's like 1,440 minutes a day. Two of them. Listen, 1,338, do whatever you want. Two minutes. Two minutes. Spend with Jesus just being reminded if you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ and then you don't know Christ, start asking, what would it be like for us to be in deep, intimate relationship? And let him talk to you. I bet he will. I bet he will. That's all I want you to do this week. This week, two minutes in the middle of the day, being reminded that God is with you. And then I want you to keep coming back to this series. Why? Because we need more people here. We don't. We don't. Honestly, when we go to one service, <laughs> yeesh, it's going to be tied up in here. But listen to me. I want your good. I want your good. And then thirdly, I want us as a church to start dreaming. What would it be like if God got a few hundred people together on fire for his purposes. How many people in the projects would know about Jesus? How many people on Park Avenue would be floored by who Jesus is? If a church decided to get together and say, no, 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 no. we're not going to be guided by our emotions, by our self-centeredness. No, 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 no. People are not going to know us because we're self-centered or self-seeking. No, 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 no. People are going to know us as people who are led by the ghost, empowered by the Spirit encouraged by the creator of all, willing to walk with us through every moment of life. I pray that that's your, your desire. It's my desire for you. So as the musicians uh, come up,
we're going to spend time in communion. Now, the time that we're spending in communion is an incredible opportunity if you don't know Jesus. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross. I deserve a penalty, but that you absorbed that penalty on the cross for my sin. I believe that, and I want to follow you. I want, I want my life to be yours. Take my heart. Take my life. Let my life be yours. If you don't know Jesus, this is an amazing opportunity. Maybe you've gone far from him, and, and, and you said, you know what, Jesus, I've, just, I've traveled far from you. I knew you at one time, but I, I decided to do my own thing. Thank you for stirring me to come today. And pray like that. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to connect with Jesus. But now, if you know Christ, this is also an incredible opportunity. An unbelievable, in fact, opportunity to be reminded. No matter what your circumstances, no matter how bad it gets, no matter what your opportunities are, no matter what weakness you struggle with, no matter what threats you're coming up against, that God, He'll be with you through it all. So, what, we're, what I'm going to ask you to do is reflect. As you reflect, the girls are going to sing a gorgeous song without any music behind them. The words are powerful, but just reflect. Ask Jesus to put the floodlight on in your own heart to make your affections grow for his sacrifice for you and his love for you. Make your affections grow for him, but also to maybe point out some areas in your life where you're, where you're telling the Holy Spirit to shut up where you're telling the Holy Spirit, not now. Ask him to point that out. 